Lock and Load. Nobody knew who the hell he was. Or have lived in a Muslim-majority country. I know because I am one of them. How's that hokey-teensy stuff working out for you? He's now our president. He's our president. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. Taking back America, one listener at a time. This is the Bella D'Angelo Show. This is the Bella D'Angelo Show. This is totally the Bella D'Angelo Show. She owns it. I'm just a co-host. I'm just kind of like a sidekick to Robin to her bat woman or whatever you want to call her. I'm just the guy who comes along. My name's Joe Mansheim. Uh, some call me Joe Machine. Some call me, you know, the the idiot alongside. But I am the co-host. And tonight I'm sad to announce some very sad news on behalf of Bella D'Angelo that her lovely mother, Miss Yoga Hot Pants, has passed away, and we are going to be doing a part of the show in a tribute to her. Please bear with us. This is uh, for those of you that knew her and loved her. Uh, this is your chance to hear a few stories about her. I did not know her. I never met her. I never even got a chance to talk to her. But I do know what it means to have lost. I lost my biological mother in 2008. I lost my my adopted mom. Now, there is a distinct difference there, okay, in 2000. And having lost two very important women in my life, it I know how powerful and affecting it can be. So I'm going to let Bella step in here, and she's going to tell you some things, and I'm just going to kind of monitor the radio waves to make sure that you get the best stories. And, hey, you know, this is what life is all about. It's the great circle. So, Bella, please, by all means, let us hear it all. Let her rip. <laughs> so I want to start out by saying that, I don't know, Joe, it was like 15, 20 years ago, I think. I remember seeing a story on, uh, I don't know, when I used to probably watch like Good Morning in America or something like that. So it had to have been 20 years ago, way before my political activism. And I remember there was this woman... Uh, that came on and she had written a book and her mom sounded so much like me. It, her mom sounds so much like my mom, excuse me. And I started writing. And so I pulled a couple of excerpts and it is going to sound like I'm, I'm reading, but um, it, it, it's going to help me through this. And as my great friend Jay Dugan called me when I was in the hospital the night before she passed, I was really struggling, Joe. It was just really hard. And I'd been able to squeeze her hand and tell her that I loved her. And she squeezed back. And Jay called me because, you know, I, I, I've i got a sister and it, it wasn't easy. And at, actually, it was making it unbearable. And anyways, Jay called me and Jay reminded me of the first. So you never even talked to her on the phone? No, never got the chance. I mean, uh, you know, we talked about her all the time. And she sounds like an incredible woman. And, um, y you know, it's uh, unfortunately, it's a story of my life. I mean, uh, I always seem to be a day late and a dollar short. Um, my uh, my mom died when I was overseas stationed with the uh, 173rd Airborne over in Italy. And um, I got to talk to her 45 minutes before uh, on the phone, uh, a week prior to her passing. And then a week later, she falls and hits her head at work. Mm. And um, she was dead. And I got home. The Army, God bless them, did everything they could to get me home just in time to watch her take her last breath. Mm. 
And the same thing happened with my biological mother. Literally, both of them were 65 years old. My biological Ooh, mother young. had cancer, and I, they knew she was going to go, and I, I, I took a flight down there, and I got there just in time right before she went into a coma. And I never got to say another word to her. So I, I get this. I, I, no one gets this more than me. So here's your chance to have a little tribute, okay? So Jay Dugan called me, and Jay said, you know, I remember the very first time that I got to talk to your mom. She was riding around the truck, as my mom always rode around in the truck with me. And Jay said she gave me grief right away about being a Trump supporter. And I said, that was my mama, the little yoga hot pants. So I want to read you a couple of excerpts, and then uh, I want to tell a couple of stories. She made a big impact on a lot of lives. For that tiny little five foot one body, she made a huge impact. So here it goes. I have the privilege of traveling with Yoga Hot Pants, and it's more than a privilege, it's a journey that I wish more could travel on. If you don't have a Yoga Hot Pants in your life, you are truly missing out. I heard of a woman who had a mom that would call her 20, 30, 40, maybe 1,000 times to give her random updates of recalls, truck tires, hamburger, ice cream, coffee. Uh, her daughter doesn't drive a truck. A vegetarian, lactose intolerant, hates coffee and and just and midgets. Okay, and then I'd write just checking in if you're sticking with me because it's a lot to keep up with having yoga hot pants in your life. I give this example of another mother and daughter story because there are days I have the same litany of random alert calls from yoga. Similar to the other mother, yoga finds the alerts irrelevant, but nonetheless hilarious. And with all the intention intact, save daughter alert. If she used the first Wednesday of the month, it would be great. Kill two at the same time or keep the voicemail full and that kind of keeps it at bay. I wouldn't give up the driving Miss Yoga job or the honor to be her daughter for anything. There is a story always a story. You just have to wait for the time. I watched the movie. I can only imagine story of a boy raised in an abusive relationship with his dad and the dad through prayer transformed to a man, his son aspired to be. As I watched it, all I could think about was how much I could have missed out if I had not taken the time to figure out how to break into my mom's sadness that had turned into anger for all of the years being away from her girls and no family around her, and I didn't want to have regret when she would no longer be here on earth. Regret is one of those things that you can't let have a pass because they just keep dogging you with that what ifs, what ifs, what ifs. I don't want that what ifs. This is a story to inspire you, any of you who have perhaps given up on a parent, sister, brother, uncle, friend, neighbor. There is always hope. You just have to find the door, and when you find the door, you find the crack. And then you gently start to move the crack to open the door. Doors and obstacles are put there to test you. And it is if you want to take on the challenge or let the challenge take you. You know, it's uh, kind of funny you talk about uh, she was five foot one. My my mom, that's my adopted mom, was only five foot one. And she was 100% pure Irish. And I'll tell you what, there are very few people in my life that ever terrified me, but that five foot one little Irish woman could put the fear of God <laughs> into me like you wouldn't believe. And uh, I mean, I would stand her. I'm six feet tall. I weigh 190 pounds, one, 190, 195. And, you know, here, here I am, uh, ex-Army paratrooper, infantryman, you know, Billy Badass, like you wouldn't believe. And I'd just hang my head and mom would be just in her wagging that finger at me. And I'd be like... Yes, mom. Yes, mom. <laughs> I know. I know. Yep. I, I was wrong. Yep. I know. And the other thing you brought up was uh, 
you know, the calling. And when I met my biological mother after 43 years, she would call me about every fourth day. And it truly was like a box of chocolates. You never knew what you were going to get. And, uh, but she, both of them were wise, wise beyond anything. I'll get to my mom's wiseness. (laughs) Yeah. And, And, you know, here we are, I'm, I'm 57 years old and, you know, I think I know it all. And God, I'd give anything just to ask my mother a question or my mom a question, because as much as I think that I knew it all, they did know it all. <laughs> so I'm going to continue on more of my writing. Truth is in the mirror and rearview mirror. The other day I had a phone call. The woman explained that my mom's Medicare plan would be ending at the end of the month. The woman needed some prescription information, and she would give me an analysis of insurance providers. I said, of course, I will get this to you. The woman then went on to say that she had talked to my mom before she called me. She said, I have helped your mom for better part of seven years. That conversation she had with my mom was the most coherent, lively, bubbly, and happy she had ever heard. The woman went on to say, whatever changes to her meds to keep it up, I beamed and said, well, it's not medication. It is love and a sense of purpose and a shitload of humor. Yoga was supposed to be with me and Wilson for Christmas, but Wilson had a head cold and wanted no chance of getting sick. I was a bit worried about yoga since many days leading up to Christmas, she complains about being so tired. A couple of days ago, I called her in the morning like I do every morning. She said she was taking a nap. It was 9 a.m. I called back around 1130 and no answer. I kept calling and no answer on either land or cell phone. Then I called down to the front office and they had not seen her yet. Unusual. I was transferred to the atrium where they have breakfast and coffee where she starts her day. No sighting. So a bit of panic sets in. My office is only 10 minutes away, so I headed over to make sure Mama was okay. Yes, I'm a worrier. She was out of my life long enough, and we have so much fun. I don't want her gone anytime soon. You know, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I, I got to meet my biological mother, like I said, I was 43 years old, and I get this envelope in the mail from Catholic Charity. So, uh, and I open it up, and right as soon as I held that envelope, I knew exactly what that envelope meant that one of my adopted parents was looking for me. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, or I mean my biological parents, excuse me. And, uh, after 43 years here, I'm holding this letter and I'm just shaking. My hand is shaking. It's August 8th, 2007. And I'm, I'm going to lose it, you know? And so I got to, call Catholic charities. They, they requested in the letter that I call them and then I had to verify my, you know, who I was and stuff like that. And I get this call from this lady, you know, like three weeks later. Now I've waited, waited three weeks, three freaking weeks to, you know, talk to who my biological mother, you know, after all the validation and they go, okay, we've, we've got Patricia Gary on the phone. You know, well, you're going to get your chance to talk to her. Okay, here she is. She's, uh, she's calling. And this is exactly how it went, Bella. Hello, Joseph. My name is Patricia Gary, and I'm your mother, and you need to get a colonoscopy. <laughs> and I'm like, say what? <laughs> say, whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not how you start out a conversation here. That's a yoga hot pants conversation for sure. 
And I'm like, what do you mean I need to get a... Well, um, I've got colon cancer, and I sued the state of Florida to be able to find you and locate you because I've, you need to get it. And I'm like, whoa, wait, wait, wait. You sued the state of Florida so you could find me to tell somebody to stick something up my ass? Hey. So, perfect, perfect transition. So, you know, I get it. I truly get it, but the worst part about what you just said in that little excerpt is I only got to spend 13 months with this wonderful woman. I I had over seven years, so I'm going to continue on. So I get to her place, and Pat at the front desk said, no, Bella, I haven't seen her yet, and she wasn't downstairs for coffee. I take the elevator up to her apartment, knock on the door. The TV is blaring, and I can hear her landline ringing. No answer. I go back downstairs to get Pat to let me in. As we ride up the elevator, I just pray. We walk in her apartment and no yoga, no walker. Okay, she is on the loose. So I go back down to the atrium and I can hear her voice saying goodbye to her friends. One of her friends is saying back to her, good night, John boy. Then I see her. She looks tired. I walked her and I say, this is why I want you to keep your cell phone with you so I don't panic when you don't answer. Yoga says, I know. I said, what's wrong? She said, I'm so tired. I didn't sleep last night. I said, well, let's get up to your room. I wanted to get her I wanted I wanted to get her to get out for the day, but saw her real tiredness. We got to her room and I sat on her couch to check my emails on my phone for work and Yoga sat down next to me and put her head on my shoulder. Her side told me she needed a good nap. I got her into bed and pulled the shade down, got her a glass of water and held her hand as she dozed off and I told her I love you yoga call when you wake up. Yoga is good today. God bless her and keep her well. I love her so much. So that was about two, three years ago. Um, she moved in with me in in October. And uh, anyway, so I'm going to continue on. I look back now to the seven years ago and realize what the angry face was. It was the sadness and depression. It was only recently when mom was living with me that she shared she had never really liked living alone. I sit here realizing I'm trying to decide how to write this. I think I will pull pieces from the past and bring them along to the present, trying to tell her life story of the last seven years. Uh, I just remember returning to the Audi to her. Pat from the front desk, happy that I was around and had access to her keys. So, Joe, when I first moved back in 2015, my mom was still living in an independent senior facility, and she still had access to her car, which honestly was kind of scary because my mom knew two speeds. Zero and a hundred, and it went from zero to a hundred. <laughs> well, that would be kind of nice because you know, seriously, I had about five different cars today that came off of uh, ramps onto the highway that were not doing a hundred, and I need you people to do a hundred. Um, seriously, so continue on with this. Go, go so, as long as you. Th- this is your moment <laughs> to shine in the sun. I'm sitting over here watching Fox News behind me, trying to keep my blood pressure down. Don't. All right. No, so I remember getting the keys, and my my mom had told me this story about how she had been out with the Audi, and she'd gotten pulled over by the police. <laughs> and she t- she told them that she was on a celebratory drive and that she it had been so long since she had driven that she'd forgotten what those little numbers were on the little signs alongside the road. Well, isn't that special? And everybody wonders why me, as a trucker, driving along out there, sit there, go home every night, and I literally get out of my truck, and I go, 
Oh, thank God. <laughs> you know, it's it because was, of things like that. You know, I mean, I, I'm just trying to, you know, I, I swear to God, when I retire from trucking, I'm going to go buy like one of the biggest, heaviest SUVs I can. And I'm going to get into the left-hand lane and I'm going to drive every day 45 miles an hour. There you go. In a, in a 70 mile an hour zone. So, so now remember, this excerpt is from seven years ago when I first came back when she was, it, 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 honestly, it was hard to be around her. And I explained to my sister in, in the hospital that, you know, it takes time to rebuild a relationship and anger, depression, anxiety, they all sh- surface in different ways in, in emotion. So anyways, back, back then I said, I knew somewhere in there, I, I need to get my mom up to lunch and keep everything simple. Meaning sh- she was so angry that she was coming out backwards at me, but I just stuck with it. And I said, I knew somewhere in there was that beautiful Elizabeth Taylor lookalike. She giggles about one day I called and asked how she was. And her answer was she woke up looking like Tiger Woods, but now she was much better. She looked like Elizabeth Taylor. My most favorite picture of hot pants, I think is when she was first married and possibly after the grill fire, because I think she had a wig on because my cousin reminded me of the fire the other day that I called her in tears. I cry a lot these days. And then I come and see mama and we are both better. My cousin Cindy wondered how many days she had been in the hospital after the grill exploded on my mom and dad's deck. I remember the pictures of my mom with bandages on both arms and around the face and with only her puffy eyes and lips. I asked, where was I? How was I being taken care of? I would have been under a year old. My cousin snorted and said, I don't know, maybe your dad left you at some random neighbor's house. My dad, in his own interest, is a, is in, is his own interesting bird of a feather that doesn't quite flock together. Again, from that accident, you would think permanent burn scars, but the picture that I hold in my heart of her is the radiant, glowing, young, stunning yoga hot pants. Side by side, we were almost twins at that age. My mom's nurse came in. Now, this was um, the third hospitalization of just these last couple of uh, months. The nurse came in, and of course she was giggling. Mom has that power. Everyone loves her here. Everyone. Mom had hit the call light last night. Upon the nurse entering, my mom asked if she was safe, and was she too close to the Ukraine. She was mad at hell, mad as hell at Putin, and had the news feed up on her cell phone. She asked for help turning her phone, turning off her phone, and to be able to head. To, to sleep that night. I left out here. She also asked the nurse to call Putin personally and ask him to leave the poor people of the Ukraine the hell alone. I leaned over and gave her a huge kiss and told her if she didn't leave Vlad alone, he might just personally show up in the middle of the night. Hadi's eyes got huge and she giggled. As I walked down the hall, I felt at peace. I know she is in the best care. She is not in that god-awful place that sent terror in my mind every waking moment. Please, dear God, hear my prayer. Let's get her home. Let's get her strong. Amen. And she is home now. Yeah, she is. You know, the, the great thing about history is that um, there are some amazing characters throughout history. And take a look at one of our founding fathers, George Washington or Thomas Jefferson. We only view them on our money, but they were human beings and they were alive and they occupied a space in history, just like all of us did. You, me, we, we all occupy the space in history. 
but we, we never truly view them as alive. What, what, what did they fear? What did they love? What, did they, what was their favorite food? What did they do for entertainment? What were they around, like around other people? And that's the beauty of being a human being is that we do have all these things that make us special to someone. And it sounds like your mom was a very special, incredible lady that has occupied, excuse me, a place in history. She has left her mark, and she will be be remembered. There isn't anyone that we met that didn't um, that she didn't leave a big impression on. Her physical therapist had called me and said that in the 20-some years that she had been um, doing physical therapy with people, that she had never seen a bond like we had. She had never seen a daughter go to the lengths that I did to care for my mom. Um, Last winter, Joe, I I was going to buy a condo for the two of us. And the realtor called me last week, and he said he'd never met a woman that had such intense eye contact. And I do have my mama's eyes. They're the same color. And anyways, he, um, he, and he said the same thing. He'd never seen such a bond. And I'm, I'm going to finish with how I um, finally said my goodbye. But before I do that, the interesting thing is, and I don't, you know, I don't know what to think about a, a medium or median. What it, what's yeah. the word? Median. Median. Okay. So Bob McNamara, he's with Colwell Banker Burnett. If you need an outstanding realtor, call up Bob. He's out of the Wyzetta office, but he told me about this median that he had referred to so many, many people, and it'll help you speak to them afterwards. And the my mom always, because I know she's here right now, and she's looking at both of us, Joe, and she's saying, really, do you need to talk about me? Seriously, <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, there's so many things going on, seriously. You know, and, and hey, that's a great segue. I mean, hey, how about Joe Biden giving three hundred billion dollars away? <laughs> Hang on, let me let me wrap this up. So, so um, I uh, where you, you lost my train of thought. Oh, so, so Bob introduced me to this median, and so I had called and I had left a message, and I was driving to my mom's funeral on Sunday, and I was looking over at her spirit alongside of me and I was telling her that I'm going to figure this out how I will be able to talk to her and that because that was one of the things that always bothered me Joe was you know we talked morning noon night you know first thing in the morning I mean how many times during the day last thing at night and just as I'm telling my mom I'm going to figure this out the phone rang and it was at median and uh, I'm going to wrap it out by this. I had a wonderful conversation with a minister today that told me of a book to read. And also he wrote, he read me a poem about how we can still talk to them because their spirit is always with us and always around us. And the way I was um, able to say goodbye to my mom, besides telling her, you know, every time I saw her, I said, I love you, beautiful mama. And she'd always say, I love you, beautiful baby girl. And my final word was her was a prayer. And I held her hand and I told her, you're in my heart. You're in my soul. You're under my skin. You are in and around me and I as you. And even though you're leaving this 
eternal, either, even though you're leaving this earthly world, you are eternally with me and I will never leave you and you will never leave me. And that was my earthly goodbye because she's here right now and she's saying, you know what? It's bad enough that she can't stand Biden and she wants to vote independently. Hilda Beast has got a show about strong women and these strong women go on this show talking about how hard it is to be rich and famous. And in one closing, I want to just add this. I know one of my good friends said, can you imagine the political conversation your yoga hot pants is having with God himself? And I said, Boy, he better be prepared. <laughs> well, you know, you you talk about uh, you, you you talk about this thing where she would not vote for Biden, but now that she's passed away, <laughs> you, all bets are off. Um, <laughs> you know, sorry about that. You know, not saying that the dead never vote, but in Boston they vote twice. Um, so, you know, and. Speaking of Mr. Biden and buying votes, I mean, he just gave away $300 billion to these friggin' libs and these liberal colleges to pay off these $10,000 in student loans. Hey, wait a minute. Slow down here. What about me, my GI Bill, you know, that I went to college, plus I paid for college, and then I went and started my own business, my own trucking business. Hey, you know, I'm the one community actually, you know, I didn't think that bill got passed yet. Well, he says he could do it with a COVID relief fund and he's going to do it. And who, now there, I'm sure there's going to be several legal challenges to it, but $300 billion. Now, does that help you? Does it help me? First of all, where does that $300 billion? This guy's giving away money away. Like it's freaking crazy. You know, I, I'm, I'm telling well, you. They're, they're, he's simply trying to buy the votes of the young because he's losing his base. I mean, he's he's lost his base. Well, Anthony Fauci is retiring. And you know How what? How timely is that? So, you know, looking at all the money that they're pushing out, you can almost wonder. And I'm not some cuckoo conspiracy theorist, but I'm starting to wonder Hey, wait a minute. We get Trump out of there. We got all this money available. Hey, Fauci, help me out. Come up with a virus. Oh, wait a minute. I got one in Wuhan, which now they have determined. It did come out of that freaking lab. And now they're saying all kinds of other crazy things that, you know, I'm not one of those conspiracy theorists, but now I'm sitting there going, maybe they're actually saying, you know, all they're now discontinuing uh, federal payments for the vaccines and research on this stuff because they're saying it's not worth a damn. But guess who profited it off the most? The government. Joe Biden, the, Hunter Biden, yeah. and Anthony Fauci. So I rode along with a, a colleague today, and he's very, very, very far right and I got to throw this out there. So we're driving downtown St. Paul. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold the phone. You're not going to believe Father Calvin Robinson, conservative come pedophile-loving liberals have lost their minds. This is on Fox News. And they're, the, they're, they're, there's these counselors saying we have to be more understanding of people that are attracted to minors. What? I have a great way of understanding. They're two friends of mine, Smith and Wesson. 
Joe, this is the stuff that's making them lose their base. This is why my mom wanted to switch to independent. This is why, by the way, she became a part of this show. And I gave, I told this story at the, at the reception afterwards, the fact that Joe, I don't know if you heard this, but the last show that she sat in and listened to, um, when I was needing a new co-host, um, she was laying alongside of me in the bed when I was in the apartment in, in Plymouth. And I, I don't no fault to this guy that was trying to help out. And, and I thank everybody that tries to help out on the show. But, I mean, you either can do it or you can't. There's not a lot of gray in between. And he was trying his hardest. And, and I kept looking over at yoga. And she's rolling her eyes. And she's making all these faces. And finally, she stands up and she said, this is really boring and dumb. And I don't want to listen to this crap anymore. <laughs> Oh, I can hear you. All right, all right, all right. We got to keep this show moving because we've already burned up twenty-eight minutes and fifty-four. Well, but seconds. but this is the stuff that, like I said, she watched Fox, and so is the rest of this country and this world watching. As my conversation earlier today with this colleague, when he okay, he was saying that basically the only way we're going to fix everything is a civil war. I said it's going to take the midterms in twenty twenty-four. He goes back 2022. to say, 2022. twenty twenty-two. 2022, which is midterms, right. and then 2024 presidential election. Right. He said the only thing that's going to fix it at this point is basically a civil war. I don't see that happening. And I don't either, but I'll tell you what, push comes to shove. Hey, speaking, speaking of civil war, did you see what happened in Florida with the school board elections? I did not. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. There was a wipeout down there. All them liberals got shoved right to, uh, pushed right out the door and said, we've had enough of your crap. And I think that is indicative of the way that's going to happen. Everybody talks about the polls and stuff like that. No, 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 no. Primary polls at, are nothing compared to, you know, closer we get to elections. So moving on, we got to keep this going. I mean, this is our one show that we get to actually have some fun with. All right, so we got this border problem, right? Now, this is my turn to talk about a little bit of uh, sadness. In Kentucky, there's a major fentanyl problem. And along with fentanyl comes, um, or there's opiate opioid problem. And along with opioid, it's laced with fentanyl. Now, last uh, February, my cousin died right in my arms of a fentanyl overdose. And this, we're actually, Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, is busing these illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. And then they're going to New York City. And he's just shipping them out. He's saying, hey, you guys saying you're sanctuary cities? Well, I got news for you. Here you go. Have at it. But what they're not saying is that these pieces of crap are bussing in you know what they're bringing in is like millions and millions and millions of dosages of fentanyl and these are killing our kids they're killing our future it killed my freaking cousin and you know your your mom got to live to 85 years old these kids aren't making it to 18 and if that doesn't piss you off this Joe Biden, hey, well, let's just give a whole bunch of money back to all the kids that voted for me. Well, you know what they're going to go do is spend it on 
friggin' fentanyl. So maybe it is a good idea. I don't know. Every radical, extreme, desperate platform policy that they are pushing forward, Joe and listeners, you know that it is it is just deteriorating his base because nobody even this isn't even even I thought Pelosi came out and said he can't even do this. She did, and he says he found a loophole in the COVID act that says he can't. But where's the money, and where's it coming from? And like I said, what about all these friggin' people that, you know, like me who start my own business, like all these uh, small business people that invested our hard-earned dollars? I have spent $20,000 out of my own pocket to keep that freaking truck on a road this year, to keep delivering construction goods to keep the economy moving what about me where's my share how many millions are saying the same thing that's my point exactly you know that this is a giant to the american people to the hard-working people of this country not the people sitting behind a desk picking her nose scanning Pornhub, looking for the newest greatest amateur out there this is people like me who come home every day hot dirty sweaty nasty you know and yeah i'm mad as mad as hell and i'm not going to take this crap anymore well what do you suppose the answer is going to be in november that's why i hold my optimism now let's go to the fact of the economy slowing i heard that like over half or more major industries throughout the u.s are all planning layoffs now i got that from another radio source okay four months ago yeah I could go into any industrial sector and there was now hiring, now hiring, now hiring, now hiring, now hiring. I'm not seeing that anymore. Where, what parts of the cities? Anywhere. You could talk to Minneapolis, that, I, industrial sector. You could talk to. You know, now that you mention that, just driving the corridor of eight, of 85th here in Maple Grove, there's UPS, FedEx. There's a whole bunch of manufacturing. They all used to have sign-on bonuses and Oh, that is, and overtime is disappearing. Now, here's the big indicative. I haul on rapid freight, which means I have services of direct, two-hour, and four-hour. That means I move commercial, industrial goods, or uh, lumber uh, for housing, new housing, and stuff like that. When the economy's good, everything's on direct. That's the premier service. So, you know, that's like 250 bucks for uh, five miles moving the 5,000 pounds of lumber. Right now, everything's going on four hour. And I'm not seeing a lot of my regular customers. They're not moving shit. They're not moving nothing. And you know why? Because the moment Biden said, well, we're in a recession, but we're not in a recession. They all went, oh, tighten that belt right now. And that's exactly what they did. And that is what is happening. Okay. And people better start waking the hell up because nobody is buying all these new houses that we're building all over the place. They're going to sit empty. Nobody's starting new businesses. Steel was through the roof to the point that right now I know of 18 million or 18 metric tons of steel, rolled, cold rolled steel that is sitting in a factory and it's not going anywhere until they can get their money out of it. They're not selling it because nobody's buying it at that price. Same thing as diesel. Diesel's been dropping like a rock. Yes, it has. 
Yeah. I know because I sell diesel right now. Yeah. And you know why? Because freight isn't moving. Everybody thinks that, oh my God, gas prices are all about, you know, people drive cars. Uh Uh-uh. The big mover is diesel. And if diesel isn't moving, guess what? That means the economy isn't moving. The only way diesel drops in the middle of summer is if the economy is tanking. And it has already dropped 75 cents a gallon in Minnesota. So where do you think the economy, what do you think the economy and industries are going to look like by November, end of October? I mean, this is, this is middle of August. All these idiots that didn't go out and get a good freaking job, they should have gone out and got a job because those jobs are drying up so fast. So where, what are the good industries? I guess people are going to probably be listening. What would be the good industries to have a job in right now? Steel. Anything in manufacturing, any anything that... How about selling diesel? Diesel, you're going to be fine because it doesn't matter. It does not How about ma- the oil industry on the completion side? It's You're good. You're golden. You're golden. But I'll tell you what, how bad it is. I Monday, I had to go renew my health uh, health card for the DOT. I had to wait normal. Normally, I have to wait about 10 minutes. I had to wait over an hour and a half because the Somalis were lined up to get their bus driver's uh, DOT health card because they're going to have to go back and drive bus because Walls isn't paying them anymore. See, this 3.1% unemployment rate's a lie. That doesn't take into account for everybody that he was paying not to work. The real unemployment rate is about 7 to 8%. Sure. So, so out the door, going around, there was a line around the corner of all these Somalis going, well, I need to get my health card. I need to get it today because I need to go get my, my bus driver. You didn't right. happen to walk up to any of them and say, so how's that Buddy Walsh of, your, of yours treating you? I didn't walk up to any of them because personally, I'm tired of supporting them. They all could have got jobs. Every one of them could have got jobs. Like I said, you you just talked about all these bonuses and all this money that people are throwing around. But no, we're going to stay home, sit on our ass, pick our nose, and not do a goddamn thing while I'm out there working my ass off every day supporting the economy. And you know what I got for it? A giant F-U. So here's to you, Walls. Screw you and screw you and your phony numbers and everything else because the bill is coming home and it's coming home quick. I'm driving out in the country every damn day, and you know what I'm seeing? Jensen and Burke signs everywhere. You know, you ever watch that movie, The Professional? Bring everyone. Who? Everyone. By the way, if you guys didn't catch uh, the show last week, we did have Scott Jensen and Matt Burke on the show, and I would um, highly suggest that you go back and listen to it. If you want to hear true anti-establishment, true uh, business professionals and former athlete uh, who really have a solid plan for saving Minnesota and bringing it back to security, safety, Economy, education, and affordable energy. Jensen and Burke. Uh, before that, we had Cicely Davis. Cicely Davis sits in Ilian Omar's district, and I said she was the smoking gun to unseat Ilhan Omar. I was explaining to that colleague that I was riding with today that because he's not from the state, 
And in this state, we are actually finally finding uh, anti-establishment and can, uh, campaigns that are truly winning in different districts. So there is hope and optimism, but I do think, I mean, think about all these industries that are going to be laying off everybody. So it's bad enough that, you know, gas prices, inflation, and then you're losing your job and you're trying to watch these fools as they're giving, you know, they're forgiving student loan debt and all this crap that doesn't do anything for we, the people that are still trying to work. I'm telling you, all of it's going to implode when we're coming into November. My conversation when he said, well, we can't overcome the cheat. Well, they're not going to have COVID. The mail-in vote isn't nearly going to be the impact that it was in, in 2020. And I believe that, like in 16, the tidal wave of people that are, t- are ready to say F you are going to show up. And that's why I believe that we are going to take the majority in the midterm. Oh, I, 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 I truly believe it, too. I, I think there's such a silent rage out there just boiling over. You know, when they talk about polls this and polls that, money raised, you know, that does – when was the last time you were polled? Um, actually, I got called, it was a couple of weeks ago, and I just kept giving Trump the the Trump answer, and then there was some question she was trying to ask me about abortion, and I couldn't get her to clearly ask me the question. It was almost like it was a trick question, and then I finally just gave up and, and hung up on her. But that's the first time I've been polled in all of my 55 years of being a registered voter. I have never been polled. Well, I should say 55 years registered voter. I didn't, I wasn't registered until I was 18. So, well, there you go. So the last thing that we're going to talk about before we break down the show, because I'm really hungry and I, I'm pretty sure you're hungry and I'm kind of looking forward to a glass of wine over at the Olive Garden. Are you actually going to take me out finally? No, I'm not going to take you out. You're going to take me out because last time I took you out. See how he is. Yeah, you know, typical, you know, male jerk, whatever you could call Do it. Do I get a ride on the bike? No, you don't. See how he is? He's asking me out. I pay, and he won't even drive. What a guy. Hey. No wonder why you married the duck. Uh, no shit. <laughs> so Jill Biden has got COVID. She has tested positive again, second time. So my only comment about this is that if you really want to ride on the bike, I'll give you a ride on the bike. You just See, I batted my eyes, and he, he No, he she didn't bat her eyes. She flipped me off, okay? <laughs> Just be honest, you know. I'm afraid she's going to throw something at me. But, I mean, Jill Biden tested positive for COVID again. Again. Now, I remember something about Joe Biden saying, hey, I'm going to solve the COVID issue. And since then, Biden, Joe, old creepy Joe, has tested positive twice. Jill now has tested positive twice. Um, I don't think you got control of this here, old Joe. Otherwise, you wouldn't have tested positive twice, and your uh, your uh, wife wouldn't have tested positive twice. I, I think, uh, Joe, you're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, you're not doing a good job at all the things. You know what? You know what you are doing a good job at? Mumbling. Oh my god! I had I I got asked um, this again. This colleague that was riding around with me, he asked if I was telling and if 
if you're new to the show or you don't know this, I'm the only conservative in both sides of my family. And uh, division, complete division. It, it, you know, it started when they found out I was conservative. It continued on when I showed my support for Trump. And then I wasn't vaccinated. And then I didn't take COVID seriously. But uh, I did get to get reunited over the passing of my mom and on um, my cousin, Cindy, who is was a real huge um, buffer and really comforting during this last week. But I did, they had CNN on over at my aunt's house, and I just simply asked two things. You mean the criminal uh, Clinton News Network? Correct. Okay. So I asked my aunt, who is uh, later 80s, lifelong Democrat, I said, was there anything in particular? And and see, I have the ability to talk to the other side without enraging the rage and anger. Um, but I just said, is there any policy that, that Biden did that you didn't agree with? What do you think they said? Oh, it's got to be COVID. That they didn't agree with. Oh, that yeah, they did. didn't agree with that, 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 that they, I, I, I don't know what, what, what do you got? Afghanistan. Oh, yeah, we forgot all about that. You know, yeah, they uh, they uh, screwed the pooch on that one. Well, you know, it's everything he screwed on. I mean, there's nothing, you know, as me as a, um, a conservative, I it's an epic failure across the board. Nothing, nothing. You got nothing. Nothing. Everything you've done, you've screwed up. You would think. So then, my next question was because I've I've asked this many times and talked about it on the show. When they look to him as a leader, how do they perceive his inability to complete sentences, remember who and where he is, calling himself vice president, um, calling world leaders the wrong names and titles, uh, walking off stage, wandering, just um, following Jill? And I said, "How do you at least look to him? Does he is he perceived as a leader to you when he speaks?" Immediately, you know what they said? Oh, he just has a stutter problem. <laughs> oh, if he's got a stutter problem, then uh, oh boy, that is true. That that is delusional for the delusional. If you think about it, I mean, this guy truly belongs in a home and not the white house. I mean, he belongs in a home. Yes. And you know, it, uh, I, we could go on all night long about this, but, um, all right. So we got a couple of minutes here. Um, we, we've actually done a longer show than we did wanted to do because of, uh, we did not have a guest tonight. Next week, we're going to have Mike Sharp who is running for state Senate and, uh, CD five. And, uh, but first of all, I want to pimp something. All right. Uh-oh. Y'all heard that I'm a trucker. Okay. And y'all heard that I have a duck. All right. <laughs> first of all. I've heard his duck. Yep. And his name is Eddie. But if you want to check out some really cool vi- videos, uh, go to Google a duck who trucks care 11, K-A-R-E 11. And you're going to see some really, really, really cool videos of um, 
me and Eddie that, or me and Frank, the original duck, and also me and Eddie on the news. And uh, check them out. They're really worth a laugh. And one of the famous lines that I came out with in the very first one was, if we all had a duck, maybe we wouldn't all be so mad at each other. And, um, you know, so that's the first thing. And But the company that I work for is Elite Transportation Systems. And uh, we have a, the, the most top-rated flatbed fleet, and we will haul anything and everything within the five-state region. We will get it to you. And I've worked with Doug Mellum, and Doug Mellum is very involved with uh, Veterans Affairs and Veterans Charities. And he, uh, being a disabled veteran myself, he did everything he could to try to uh, provide an environment for a guy like me who had come home mixed up, didn't know what I wanted to do. And he provided a working environment for me to succeed. And I have over the years, I've made a great living and I just want to say thank you to Doug Mellum after 20 years of working with him. Thank you so much for everything you've done for me and elite transportation systems on that note. You're going to hand it over to me. I'm going to hand it over to Bella. She's going to close this show. Thank you all for listening, and we uh, we will be back with you next week. Here's Bella. You got it. Take her home. I just want to say thanks to my mom. I wouldn't be who I am if it weren't for my mom, and uh, she made me who I am. She allowed me to feel as a mother. I never had kids of my own, and something very interesting that came of my writing is I realized that I get to experience what real love is. And my mom explained that she wasn't measuring her love of me against others. It's just a different kind of love that she felt as I cared for her as a caregiver. And I've said this before. I never understood when someone said, oh, you were a caregiver. But if you get a chance to be a caregiver, it is a true gift. And it's a true gift to have a yoga hot pants in your life. And if you got a chance to meet her... I know you'll never forget her. Keep us in our prayers and know that she is with me in spirit. And with that, I got to say good night. God bless. God bless America. And ciao for now. Walk down there. If you're wondering what the heck oh, I'm talking about. Oh, here we go. You know, the guy's got one lousy pet duck, makes the news, uh, and, you know. No, I, okay, so let's, as we're waiting for Scott, um, what do you know about the stats? Because you kind of, you, you knew that they're running neck and neck. Um, what else do you know about the campaign that you might be able to fill in while we're waiting for Scott? Well, I know that, you know, uh, un- unfortunately the big, o- uh, big A is out there, the abortion issue. And that's what, um, little Timmy is, you know, harping on that, uh, Scott Jensen is far too extreme to become the next governor because he's pro-life and, I don't, I, you know what? I don't see how that's going to hurt Scott. Here's why. They're, they're, the, the, the loss of family values, the, you know, that's one of the, that's one of the cornerstones of a lot of what I believe is going to drive a lot of attention, the loss of, of family values. And because it became so much out in the forefront, there are so many large groups that are pro-life that is probably surprising to some of the, especially to the Democrat party. I don't think that's going to hurt Scott and Matt. Well, on the other side of that is that there is no life if you can't feed them. 
they all lend to themselves. Yes. That's why, that's why I say we're in a, you know, what is Timmy really actually going to be running on? And that leads to what I mentioned earlier. I guess he really doesn't want to debate Scott up on the debate floor. And I'm not shocked. Scott is a very well-poised um, individual who is very smart and eloquent and has got a wonderful platform that I don't know how Walsh will be able to come back with intelligent answers to be able to come up against him. Well, the bottom line is, you know, it's what, what I, when I talk to people about the situation at hand, the, I have only one question. Are you happy with what's going on right now? And if you are, okay, so be it. But if you aren't, then do something about it. And the first place you can do something about it is at the polling station. This is your most basic fundamental precious right that we have in America, the right to vote. And with the right to vote, you have the opportunity to make changes. And um, if, if you, if you can honestly look me in the eye, anybody in a state and say, you know what? I'm okay with what's going on. Then maybe you need to go see, shrink or something like that um i don't i don't know because how can you possibly be happy how can you put, sit there and say you know what i'm paying x amount much more for fuel oh god wait till this freaking winter comes along and you know people are going to start looking at their uh heating bills if they can even afford to pay them you know i i i don't i just so here here we have this Everybody I talk to, and whether it's you know, I'm in an Uber, whether it's on a, I'm on the job sites, whether it's walking on the street, everybody's on the on the tip of their tongue. No, I'm not happy with what's going on. I'm not happy about the direction of the state of Minnesota. This isn't Minnesota. We don't burn down our cities. We're not Chicago, but now we are. Now we are. We, we have the highest murder rate in Minnesota history. We have the highest violent crime rate in Minnesota history. Well, you know, somewhere, someplace, somehow, that buck stops. And just like the Biden administration coming up with, uh, I believe, Trump, I believe Trump will be announcing his campaign once we get to the midterms. And just like Biden and the entire Democrat Party has no real solutions for what how to fix what's going on in this country. Timmy, the tyrant, will have no real solid. Here's the thing. We're wanting solid answers. We want solid policies and platforms. We want them spoken directly to us as individuals and people, what we're craving. And that's why I believe that Matt and Scott will take us to victory in November. Again, for their website, I'm going to wrap up. We've got one more minute left. It's drscottjensen.com. Um, it talks about all of these action items. When you look at the plan, the make carjacking a crime with harsh penalty, stop nonprofit funding to bail out criminals, bring in the state patrol to reinstate order, make penalties harsher, screen and appoint judges who will uphold sentences. Judges must follow guidelines, protect the children, end radicalism with productive training. Corrective labor and community participation use the National Guard. It goes on and on and on with solutions of how to fix and take back the state and bring law and order, economy, 
and saving the educational system. And with that, I'm going to wrap up. Uh, we well, will. We, res- we go a couple minutes more. I mean, no worries. Uh, I, I, okay. I, well, I got a couple questions. Well, okay. Apparently, you must have got an email that Scott's not going to be able to make it. I have not gotten that yet, but I know that. Okay. Uh, apparently, uh, Scott. We, we were planning to have Scott Jensen on and Matt Burke, but uh, it looks like we're only going to get Matt on tonight. And uh, which, hey, incredible interview with him. Uh, something must have held up Dr. Scott Jensen, and that's okay. We we will try to rebook him for next time. Um, and I know that this man is a man of integrity, and we will get a chance to ask him some of the hard questions that we wanted to ask him. And uh, hopefully we will be sitting there watching him get that inauguration. Got it. Got it. We will be at his inauguration. (laughs) Well, let's wrap up because this was a great show and I'm wanting uh, those guys to promote it up on their website. Um, This has been a great show and I know that we'll get Scott lined up. Hopefully we'll get him lined up for next Tuesday. So any closing statements? Otherwise I'm going to take it from here. I am headed down to the Twins game, so everybody cheer on the Twins, and hopefully we can get back in first place. (laughs) And it was a great show, and I had a lot of fun, and it was really good talking to Matt Burke, and I'm leaving it to you. Great honor. I've heard many wonderful things about Matt Burke, and uh, we'll get Scott on for next time. And at this point, I'm going to say good night, God bless, God bless America, and ciao for now. All right. Hey, everybody. Listen, uh, we've got Dr. Scott Jensen on, and uh, he was nice enough to call in after he just came out of a funeral. And my condolences uh, immediately. Uh, Bella's with me. Um, We We just wrapped up a wonderful interview with Matt Burke and outlining that we outlined some of the platform of your campaign. And just really excited to have you on. I was explaining to our listeners, this is probably about your sixth or seventh time on the show and you're you're running neck and neck with our tyrant uh timmy walsh so we're really excited for november for you guys i am too and i'm excited to be running with matt Burke. but on a broader level bella i feel like i'm not just running with matt burke i feel like i'm running with a good good share of the state of minnesota people are so engaged so absolutely committed to getting out of the spectator seats and getting into the arena with Matt and I, they are taking slings and arrows for standing up for what they believe. They are, they're getting bruised and bloodied and they're saying, we'll take it because America's in trouble. America needs our help. We never thought this could happen to our country, to our state, but by darn George, it's happening. So it's time for us to stand forward. And that's what people are doing. They are standing side by side with Matt Burke and Scott Jensen. Um, you know, we went over your list um, uh, of things that, you know, we the, the, the major problems that we have. We went over with Matt Burke, a plan, you know, to stop crime and inflation and lower energy prices. But I hate to do it, but I'm going to go to the hard one. And sure, go for it. Okay. It's the one that. Uh, Governor Walls has been running the commercial saying you're too extreme for Minnesota on your abortion stance. And for the record, where are you, doctor? Please tell us 
how and where you are? Well, before I answer the, the question directly, I'm just going to say this. I think it's important to realize that conversations matter, context matters. When we were conversing about this as a political issue four months ago in March, seeking the endorsement, Roe v. Wade stood strong and had been standing strong for literally a half a century. That changed dramatically in June when it was overturned. We saw evidence of that when just a couple of weeks ago, Kansas, a conservative state, an absolute pro-life state, voted to preserve access to abortion for its women or its female citizens. So in that context, Matt Burke and I analyzed what had happened with Roe v. Wade being overturned. We talked about it at length. We researched and we traveled all across Minnesota to talk to people on both sides of this issue. And I had done some clumsy messaging in March where when I was thinking more of third trimester abortions, I might make a statement like I would ban abortions. But I've always, as a physician, held the view that when I'm dealing with a pregnant mom or a pregnant woman, there's two lives. The very real life right in front of me and in the body of the pregnant woman, in the person of the pregnant woman, but there's also the, the unborn child. But I think that we have to say, what is the priority? Because that's what medicine does. And for me, the priority is always the pregnant woman in front of me. And if her pregnancy endangers her mental or physical health, that would always be a situation where it's no longer a legal matter. It's now a private matter, healthcare matter between patient and physician. Because anything that would affect or endanger a maternal, a, 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 the mental or the physical health of the pregnant woman would be an exception. I never felt it was necessary to try to identify all the potential exceptions, but certainly rape and incest would be acceptable exceptions, but so would advanced maternal age, morbid obesity greater than 400 pounds potentially, premature age of pregnancy less than 15, myocarditis, chronic renal failure, sickle cell anemia. So I never really thought about it a great deal because I've only talked about it as a doctor. I've never talked about it as a politician because Roe v. Wade was the law of the land. Wow. So to, get to, your question, to, to get to your question directly, I think that Bill Clinton said in the 1990s to try to bring some peace in the valley, he said, safe, legal, and rare. And mm -hmm. I'm thinking we need to make it safe, legal, and protected. That means that women do need to have access to this procedure at some point in the early chapter of a pregnancy. But the unborn fetus in the third trimester also warrants protection. And I think both Republicans and Democrats have supported some protections for women, specifically in regards to parental notification for daughters under the age of 18, informed consent, where an abortion can be accomplished, who can perform the procedure. These kinds of protections for women have been 
supported by Democrats and Republicans alike. So for me, Matt Brick and I have indicated clearly to be pro-life from our perspective is far more than simply not liking abortion. It has to do with, let's elevate both the, the woman and the child, but let's try to make abortion almost a non-factor. Let's get birth control pill to women over the counter. Let's make it cheap. Let's make certain that society shares the burden of, if you will, family planning and having pregnancies when we anticipate and choose to have a family. And for the clumsy messaging that I've been responsible for during the course of the campaign, that's on me. I'm grateful for the chance to have the conversation with so many Minnesotans, so many people, so many young, powerfully engaged women that have helped me sort the issue out and have helped Matt Burke and I talk it over. But for both Matt Burke and Scott Jensen, being pro-life is about a lot broader brushstroke than simply not liking abortion. It has to do with lifting moms and children up, and it has to do with sharing responsibility. Wow, that's, that's that is that, that's so good because the the problem I've always felt with you know the extreme pro lifers is that they they're they're pro birthers they're not pro child and uh, I've always felt that I'm being a I'm an adopted child myself um, I grew up with adopted parents and stuff and what we have in this country is these people that you know the the child's born and then they don't care what happens next all they care about is that that child has to be born but moving on because uh, we only got you for a couple more minutes Bella you had a follow up question. I guess, Scott, where do you want to start? Um, like I, I started out with you, you're running neck and neck with with Walsh. What's really exciting out there that you're hearing from the public? And then what is the first most important part of your campaign? Which issue would you like to talk about first? Well, I think that it's pretty clear that the top three issues are going to be public safety. We need to somehow, in a powerfully strong manner, address the fact that lawlessness has invaded our land. And that means we need more cops on the street. We need a restorative justice program. Incarceration has to be used as a tool for deterrence. We need mandated minimum sentences to be just that, mandated minimum sentences. And that means judges and prosecuting attorneys cannot allow plea bargaining of two felony charges for a potential of 17 years imprisonment to be plea bargained down to four months, whereby those four months are spent in house arrest. These things have got to stop. Without question, public safety is the number one issue. When Governor Walls demonstrated that he would not put the National Guard on the street when Jacob Fry asked for it, when he decided that he would give up the 3rd Precinct building, when he decided that he would tell the State Patrol to stand down because the demonstrators wanted to tear down the Christopher Columbus statue, in every one of these situations, Governor Walls showed the kind of leadership he would have. That's, that's issue number one. Second issue has got to be inflation and economy. And Governor Walls put policies in place that clearly drove an inflationary cycle forward at an alarming rate. When he said for three and a half years that he wanted to increase the Minnesota gas tax by 75%, that's a huge inflationary push. When he came out and hooked our wagon to the California car emissions, that automatically increased the costs to the refinery as they tried to take 
crude oil and refine it into gasoline products that go to our gas stations that we can put in our tanks. That drove the price up directly because of the low carbon fuel requirements of the California car mandates. He did all these things. He fractured supply chains. This is on him. And the third issue has got to be, what are we doing to our children? We are hypersexualizing them in elementary and middle school grades, which is ridiculous. We are indoctrinating them rather than giving them a basic foundational education, rather than teaching them how to read and to write and do some arithmetic. We are literally making them pray for ideologues who see no harm in trying to literally indoctrinate these young children. And that has got to stop. Those are the three big issues that we're talking about, tremendous amount. But I think the issue that we're not talking about enough is the issue of leadership. Because Matt Burke and Scott Jensen will make mistakes. We will lead strong. We will speak to the issue. We will trailblaze tough issues. We will not duck the questions that you ask. That's the kind of leadership you're going to get from us. But I think we've seen the kind of leadership also that we're going to get from Tim Walls. We're going to get more of the same. He's going to demonize Matt Burke and Scott Jensen as much as he can. I think they spent $2 million on an ad campaign to come against us that started 10 days ago and will probably go for another two weeks. And then they'll change styles and go buy another big chunk of TV because they are literally a money machine. And yet you're still running neck and neck in the polls even after that. Uh, you know, I watched some of those ads and I'm just like, are you kidding me? I mean, if I were you, all I would do is just put up photos and videos of the third precinct burning going and put a here's your leadership here's your leadership baby that's all you got well, what, we're, what we're telling people is to walls's you know ad campaign we're saying listen make no mistake about it abortion is not on the ballot in november no it's abortion not. in minnesota because of dovi gomez in 1995 is a constitutionally protected right of all women in minnesota and that's not going to change without a constitutional amendment and a constitutional amendment has no, nothing, nothing to do with the governor. The governor does not play a role in it, does not sign it, does not veto it, does not participate in it. So we're telling people that. But I think it's also important for people to realize that, quite honestly, Tim Walls has demonstrated to us that he is going to try his level best to distract the voters from what the real issues are of public safety and inflation and our children. He's going to do everything he can to dodge his responsibility, and he's going to duck every debate. He has now told us that he's not going to debate us at the state fair. He's not going to debate us in front of the Chamber of Commerce. He's not going to debate us on Almanac. He's not going to debate us in Rochester. He is basically trying to take a page out of Joe Biden's playbook. I, I was going to say he's following Joe. So does he give yeah. any reason why, it, or it, it just flat out no? Flat out no, and then he said, there will be at least one more debate, didn't tell us when, but he said there can be no audience. So he's telling Minnesotans, you don't get to be there because he doesn't want you there. I mean, this is crazy. And yet this is the situation we're in. It's, and I'm hoping that Minnesotans will rise up and say, no, this is unacceptable. This is absolutely unacceptable because we've seen this in the past where when Minnesotans don't feel like they're getting a chance to understand and know what their candidates are thinking, why they think that, why they've done what they did. Minnesotans are not going to buy into that, I think. And that's Tim Walz's biggest problem is when it comes to leadership, 
He has fallen short over and over again. And I don't think Minnesotans are going to allow him to duck all these debates. I, I don't think so either. And Scott, you've been on the program several times and we've talked about, you know, let's from the, the burning F and the, the looting and the criminal activity after George Floyd to COVID. And when everyday Americans start to realize the impact from their children, their education, you talk about the perversion, um, the health, you know, some, so many of the health crises that happened because of the lockdowns, all of these things that happened to this state, which I have said for a long time, it's really changed. We're a different society prior to COVID. We're a different society prior uh, or after Donald J. Trump being in office. We want real leadership that can talk to us and deliver a platform that speaks to who and what we are. And here in Minnesota, your top three um, going after uh, crime, inflation, and energy costs, and restoring real leadership is what Minnesota is really looking for. And that's what you're delivering. And by Tim not wanting to debate you, it's because he won't have the type of common sense answers. All he will be able to resort to is the kind of bloviating, typical political rant that he, whether he knows it, but I think he's intimidated in coming up against you, Scott. Well, again, Minnesotans, our, our biggest resource in Minnesota is our people. Minnesotans are a marvel, and they're going to rise up and stand up, and that's why we feel optimistic about uh, the election on November 8th. I'd love to come back on your show again, and I apologize again for being late. No, but, no, uh, you, you don't have to apologize. I mean, anytime you're dealing with the death, that's, hey, come on, that's something you should well, never have you, to apologize let me, let me, for. Let me just tell you about the death. This is one of my favorite people. He died, and he was 100 years old and half of, and, uh, 100 and a half years old. Uh, he was in my office a few weeks ago. We did a Facebook Live. He's a delightful man, a life well-lived, and I, uh, I'll i miss him, but I celebrate his life. Hey, if you can make it to 100. That, that you... <laughs> and thanks for sharing that story, Scott. I saw that posting on, on Facebook, and I know you just want to give us a couple minutes, and I would love to have you back on where we can have you on the whole segment. What do you want to say in, in wrapping up, and then we'll I'll get with Rita to reschedule you? I would just tell all Minnesotans this. None of us are extreme, really. In each of our minds, we try to do our best. In each of our minds, uh, we, we try to get good information. And I think it's important that this campaign not be about name-calling. It's important to talk about what decisions were made. Why were they made? Are people willing to own up to when they, they make a mistake? Uh, can they say, hey, I said that poorly. I was clumsy. I did that wrong. I froze. I should have done better. I think Minnesotans are going to be uh, the thoughtful voters that they traditionally have been. And I think they're going to decide in November who's going to be their next governor. And if they want to learn more about Scott Jensen and Matt Burke, all they need to do is go to drscottjensen.com. Uh, we would invite uh, and welcome their, their comments. This is about all of us together. So thank you again, Dolly. Thank you so much for coming on and uh, could not have been what better said. Uh, appreciate it. Looking forward to you very much having you on again um, and God bless you and keep doing up the good work that you're doing. Thank you very much. Thanks Scott. Thank you. Lock and load. Nobody knew who the hell he was. Or have lived in a Muslim majority country. I know because I am one of them. How's that hokey cheesy stuff working out for you? He's now a president. He's our president. If we 
freedom here. There's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on Earth. Taking back America, one listener at a time. This is the Bella D'Angelo Show. Hey, 